Today we're going to continue talking about the workings of the Holy Spirit. This is part two. Um, and like I said, um, I'll be giving you a, a handout uh, so you don't have to write too much. Uh, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 12 and we'll do, we'll, we'll do a quick little summary uh, of what we talked about last time. Uh, the last session is on the website now so you can go back and catch up with it and when you get your handout it'll make it easier to kind of go through you can listen to it again. 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. The message translation says, What I want to talk about now is the various ways God's Spirit gets worked into our lives. This is complex and often misunderstood, but I want you to be informed and knowledgeable. Uh, God's Word translation says, Brothers and sisters, I don't want there to be any misunderstanding concerning spiritual gifts. Well, in Paul's day, speaking in tongues was misunderstood. And it's still misunderstood today. Uh, but back in Paul's day, that's why he wrote two chapters in the New Testament about it. Uh, because it, it was misunderstood and he had to write a letter uh, in the Corinthian church. They were so zealous and so, uh, you know, overjoyed about speaking in tongues that they would just jump up in the middle of the service and speak in tongues and they would interrupt the preacher and, you know, this one and that one. And so uh, it was causing distraction. So that's why he wrote this letter to give it correction and instruction uh, so that it could be done in an orderly way. And, and uh, so that was the purpose of these chapters to the Corinthian church. Uh, today, uh, the gift of tongues is still misunderstood among Christians. So that's why we're going to, uh, we're doing this little study on it. This is not really exhaustive, but it's a good overview on this subject. We talked about the book of Acts. Um, if you notice in your King James Version, when you turn to the book of Acts, it will say the Acts of the uh, Apostles, when really it would be more accurate to say the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. That's that's would be more accurate. The Holy Spirit was very real to those early New Testament believers, they reverenced him, they recognized him, and they responded to him. He would lead them to go to a place and they would go. He would forbid them to go to a place and they would not go. And we have the same Holy Spirit they had. We're the, in the same church and we have the same covenant. There are some Christians who, who believe and some you know, Christian circles teach that the, the 12 apostles had some kind of special divine ability that nobody else ever has had. We, that, that we don't have uh, that ability that they had. They had something special, something extra that enabled them for all these miracles uh, to take place, but that was for them and, uh, you know, because they walked with Jesus uh, they had this, some, something extra in their uh, ability, uh, you know, for working of miracles that we don't have access to. And that is not true. We have the same Holy Spirit. We're in the same church. We have the same covenant. Now, we talked about, last time, we talked about the person of the Holy Spirit. He is a knowable person. You can fellowship with him. Uh, he's not an inanimate object. He's not a force like electricity. 
We looked at the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. He has a mind. He has a will. He can be quenched. He can be pushed aside, uh, ignored. He can be grieved. He can be insulted. These are all characteristics of a person. We looked at the personal characteristics of God. He has a soul and he rejoices. I'm going to give you scripture for all these later. Uh, he has a mind. God can be vexed, uh, irritated, annoyed. Uh, he gets angry. He laughs. He sings. He can be hurt. Uh, the Bible says Jesus uh, is easily touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Uh, we explained how the infilling of the Holy Spirit and being endued with power is a, sub, a subsequent and separate experience to the new birth. When the Holy Spirit comes to live in you, we looked at the uh, function or the role of the Holy Spirit in you. We answered the question that is prevalent in some Christian circles. Did the infilling of the Holy Spirit pass away with the death of the last apostle? And the answer to that is no. Uh, we looked at scripture in Acts where uh, a lay person, Ananias, went and laid his hands on Saul, who became Paul, and Paul received his sight, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Ananias was not an apostle, he was not a preacher, he was just a lay person, an ordinary believer, and he laid his hands on Paul, and he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So this is not just some ability that only the apostles had. Um, so we, we answered that question. We know that Paul spoke in tongues because 1 Corinthians 14, 18 says, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. Uh, we found the Holy Spirit is for all believers. This is where we ended up last time. Um, and it's only for believers. Acts 2, 38, 39, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promises unto you, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as any as as any as the Lord our God shall call. So the infilling of the Holy Spirit is for every believer. According to this, it's even for children. Amen? Hallelujah. So let's continue today. Uh, we're going to answer the question, have tongues passed away? No. No. Amen. <laughs> Well, let's, let's look at some scriptural evidence to support uh, that. When people, um, you know, there are people in churches today that say tongues have been done away with because the Bible says tongues will cease. And when they bring this up, they're usually referring to this scripture in 1 Corinthians 13. So let's just turn there. It's just one page over. Um, they usually refer to verse 10. Let's just start at verse 8 and read the whole little context. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. This is the scripture that they lift out and say tongues have passed away. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part... And we prophesy in part. Um, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part, referring to tongues, and uh, shall, shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now, in this lifetime, we see through a glass darkly. But then, when we get to heaven, face to face, 
Now I know in part, but then in heaven shall I know even as also I am known. Now, uh, let's go back to verse 10 where it says, when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. So the argument people will use, they will say, uh, well, since now we have the Bible in its complete form, we no longer need that which is in part, tongues. Because tongues is in the... Tongues is here in verse 8. So that's, that's what they're referring to. Tongues, and it, and it includes spiritual gifts. So they'll say, now that we have the Bible in its complete form, we don't need that which is in part, which is spiritual gifts and tongues. Uh, it's true, the Bible is perfect and complete, but our understanding of it is not complete. <laughs> you know? So, uh, for now, in verse 12, in this lifetime, on this side of heaven, we see through a glass darkly. In other words, to plain English, uh, it's like looking at a blurred image in a cloudy mirror. You know, uh, we don't have perfect understanding of the Bible uh, in this lifetime. So in this time of imperfection, as we look, uh, as we're looking at a blurred image in a cloudy mirror, we know in part. We only know in part. So in this lifetime, since we know in part, that which is in part has not ceased, referring to tongues. Spiritual gifts, including tongues, have not ceased. Verse 10 and the Living Bible says, but when we have been made perfect and complete, then the need for these inadequate special gifts will come to an end and they will disappear. The second point that refutes the claims uh, that tongues is passed away uh, in, in verse 8, uh, it says, Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Uh, now, people who use these scriptures to claim that tongues have passed away, they don't say anything about prophecies failing or knowledge vanishing. They're, all of these are mentioned in the same scripture with tongues. You can't just pick out tongues and say tongues has ceased without saying knowledge has ceased and prophecies have ceased because He's, he's talking about all of them. Tongues and knowledge are mentioned in the same verse. Tongues and prophecies are mentioned in the same verse. So if you're going to say tongues have passed away, you're going to also have to say knowledge has vanished. Has knowledge vanished? No. Knowledge is increasing. It's not vanishing. Uh, you buy a new phone or a new computer, in a few months it's obsolete. You know, you've got to upgrade. That's how fast knowledge is, is turning over. So prophecies have not failed either. Bible prophecy is still being fulfilled in the earth as we speak. There's still Bible prophecies to be fulfilled, and they will be fulfilled this side of heaven. So knowledge has not vanished. Prophecies have not failed or ceased. Therefore, tongues have not passed away. Not in this time, in the church age. One day, tongues will cease. In heaven, there will be no more mysteries, no more secrets. We will know as we are known. That which is complete has come, and there will be no need for tongues. But in this side of heaven, tongues will not cease. Okay, now let's look at... Uh, some scriptural evidence that speaking in tongues is the initial evidence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Second oh, no. Corinthians 13, 1 says, In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. So let's look 
And we've got more than two or three examples here to uh, support. We've got five recorded in instances in the New Testament where people spoke in tongues. So let's look at uh, these instances. Acts 2, 1 to 4. Uh, the day of Pentecost, 120 believers were gathered in the upper room and were filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts 8, 5 to 17. Uh, there is uh, no record here. Let's turn over to Acts uh, 8 quickly. Um, uh, yeah, this is when uh, Philip had gone to, to uh, the Samaritans uh, and uh, they were born again and, uh, you know, Peter and John sent, um, were sent down there for them to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, in verse 17, it says, Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Now, it's, um, it's not recorded here that they spoke in tongues, but uh, it's recorded that uh, Simon saw something, this not Simon Peter, another Simon, uh, the one that tried to, you know, buy this gift of, of the laying on of hands. He evidently saw something that uh, outwardly visible uh, that caused him to know that the Samaritans had received the Holy Spirit. He saw something that caused him to know they had received the Holy Spirit. So it's, it's implied that they spoke in tongues. Um, since we have other records that tongues are the evidence of receiving the infilling of the Holy Spirit, then we can infer that tongues was the initial evidence in this instance. Acts 9, this is Paul's uh, conversion on the road to Damascus, and, and in verse 17, Ananias uh, went his way and entered into the house and put his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And we know Paul spoke in tongues. We mentioned that verse in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, where he said, I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than you all. So we know Paul received uh, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 10, at Cornelius' house, where Peter preached to the first Gentile converts. In verse 44, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them, which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Uh, Acts 19. These were the Ephesian uh, disciples. And... Uh, uh, Paul asked them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? In other words, uh, they had been born again. But he was asking them, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Which is a subsequent and separate experience, which we've already talked about. Um, and they said, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. So this reveals that the in filling of the Holy Spirit is subsequent to salvation. In verse 5, they were water baptized. And in verse 6, when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. So these accounts happened over a span of years. And there are three recorded instances of believers receiving the infilling of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And in the other two instances, it's inferred that they spoke in tongues. Uh, we're in the same church. 
uh, as these believers in the book of Acts, and we should expect to have the same witness of the infilling of the Holy Spirit in evidence today. Now, uh, tongues is a supernatural utterance or inspiration given by the Holy Spirit. It is a supernatural language not learned by the speaker and not understood by him. Usually, not known by the speaker and not understood by the speaker. And usually not understood by the hearers. The gift of tongues with interpretation is unique to the New Covenant uh, and the New Testament dispensation, the new covenant that we're living in. Tongues and interpretation is unique to the church age. Now the church age is the period of time from the day of Pentecost until what we call the rapture, when Jesus comes and catches us away and we meet him in the air. That's what we call in the uh, kind of the colloquial term, the rapture. So from the day of Pentecost to the catching away of the body of Christ, which is us, that period of time is called the church age. And we're still in that church age. Now, um, all the other gifts of the Spirit, which we're going to get to, all the other gifts of the Holy Spirit were in operation in the Old Testament. Even in the ministry of Jesus, all of the other gifts of the Spirit were in operation, but not tongues and interpretation. Now, we read 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Uh, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. And he wrote about tongues to correct and instruct them uh, in chapter 12 and also chapter 14. Paul writes to this church about tongues. And people often get, they mix up what he said about tongues in chapter 12 with what he said about tongues in chapter 14, and they often get confused. So uh, let's, let's look at this a little closer. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. We'll, we'll see the difference between personal devotional tongues and the ministry office of tongues and interpretation. First Corinthians 14, 2. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. So when we're in our personal prayer life, what we call devotional tongues, uh, when we're praying in other tongues, we are speaking to God, okay? And it says uh, we're praying mysteries. We're going to get to that. Uh, you're doing the praying, not the Holy Spirit. Some people, you know, think the Holy Spirit is just going to kind of uh, uh, take them over, you know, and they're just going to become obsessed and have no control over anything. No, you do the praying, the Holy Spirit gives the utterance. But we do the praying. The Holy Spirit gives the inspiration. Verse, um, verse 2. Uh, For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the Spirit he speaketh mysteries. Now the word mysteries here means secrets, plans, and purposes. The Moffat translation says talking divine secrets in the spirit. This is your spirit in direct contact with God's spirit. Uh, bypassing your mind, which is limited. Your mind is limited uh, about many things that you need to pray about. And so this is spirit to spirit. Your spirit supernaturally communicating with God's spirit, bypassing your mind. Uh, how are you going to pray about the future? 
You don't even know the future. Uh, how are you going to pray the whole will of God? You don't even know the whole will of God. So you're not going to get very far trying to just pray about these things with your natural mind because your natural mind it has limited information. Tongues are God's secret weapon he has given to us. A divine supernatural means of communicating with him. And this is why the devil has stirred up such controversy over the centuries uh, about this subject and fought against it so intensely. Because when you pray in the spirit, in tongues, you don't know what you're praying about and neither does the devil. And he can't get in on, on the deal and mess it up. He can't get in on the secrets, plans, and purposes of God and mess them up. And it just drives him wild, you know. And so uh, this is why he has created such a fuss and such a controversy in the church over tongues is because it is God's secret weapon. And he doesn't want anybody to, to get in on it, but he's too late. So um, let's look at, uh, so one of the reasons uh, we pray in tongues is we speak, mis we, we speak unto God. Other reasons why we speak in tongues. Jesus said this is one sign which would follow believers, Mark 16, 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues. It is the scriptural initial evidence also of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.4 And they were, this is the day of Pentecost, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Praying in tongues edifies your spirit. It builds you up. That's what edify means. Uh, edify originally meant, uh, it, it was like in the construction business, uh, to construct a building, an edifice. Edify, build up. Uh, it builds up your spirit. When your mobile phone or laptop stops, starts losing power in the battery and it gets weaker and weaker, what do you have to do? You gotta charge it. You gotta plug it in. Well, that's what. That's one of the things uh, that happens when we pray in tongues. You're recharging your spirit. You're recharging your spiritual battery, and it builds you up spiritually. Uh, Jude twenty also says, "But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith." Praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in tongues keeps us continually aware of the Holy Spirit's indwelling presence. Tongues is Holy Spirit directed prayer. 1 Corinthians 14, 14. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth. So your spirit is praying by the Holy Spirit within you. It's Holy Spirit-directed prayer. You can't miss it. It helps you to learn to trust God more fully. Again, Jude 20, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Uh, you have to exercise faith to some extent to pray in tongues because the Holy Spirit supernaturally gives you the utterance. And when you can trust God in one area, it helps you to trust God in other areas. It helps keep you free from the contamination of the world. You know, in the society we, li we live in and in the workplace and so forth, from time to time, there's vulgar talk, there's dirty jokes, you know, and out in public, and we can just quietly um, speak to ourselves and to God in other tongues, and it helps keep 
wash that junk out of out of our spirit so it doesn't get down into our spirit. It provides a way for things to be prayed about which no one is aware of or our natural mind even knows about. Romans 8:26 We know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit itself or himself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Intercession is prayer, petition, or entreaty in favor or on behalf of another. To intercede means to go between on behalf of something or someone else. This scripture in the expanded Bible says, but the Spirit speaks to God himself for us. Boy, what an advantage, you know. The Spirit speaks to God himself for us with deep feeling that words cannot explain. Um, you know, you, you could have a prompting to pray in tongues and you don't even know why. And you might find out later, you could be, you, you, could, you could find out that that day a terrorist attack was stopped. You know, they fooled a terrorist attack somewhere. Or you could be praying for another country and maybe hear about it on the news the same day or something. Um, you, don't, you, don't, you may not know why you feel prompted to pray in the Spirit, but when you have that prompting, just follow it because you could be stopping something, uh, you know, stopping a tragedy somewhere or something in the future. Praying in tongues magnifies God. Acts 10, 46, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. It's the highest way to give thanks to God. 1 Corinthians 14, 17, for thou verily givest thanks well. The Amplified Bible says you are giving thanks well enough in a way that God is glorified. So these are just some of the reasons why uh, we pray in tongues individually in our private prayer life, uh, what we call devotional tongues. Now, uh, let's look at tongues as a ministry gift or the public ministry of tongues and interpretation. Now, uh, we said when we pray in tongues in our private devotion time, according to 1 Corinthians 14, 2, we are speaking to God. In the public ministry gift of tongues and interpretation, God is speaking to us. Okay? God has something to say to the church or to you as an individual. Okay? And this is where a lot of people get confused. So let's, uh, let's continue here. When you hear people say speaking in tongues is not for everybody, and you will probably hear that at some time or another in your life, they point to 1 Corinthians 12.30. And where it says, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret. Now, uh, ministry gifts, we're going to see, are people who are called by God in the fivefold ministry and equipped with certain spiritual gifts in order to fulfill their office or function in the body of Christ. So we're talking about offices of ministry. Um, now, this verse in uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, what, 12:30, uh, people will lift out. You know, we got two chapters here talking about tongues, but people will, like many other things, they'll pick out one verse out of context and they'll create a new doctrine to say tongues is not for everybody. Well, let's, let's examine that. We have to read the entire context 
to see what the writer is talking about. We need to distinguish between spiritual gifts and ministry gifts. So we'll, we'll look at the nine spiritual gifts uh, beginning at chapter 12. We have the nine spiritual gifts. But the manifestation, which is just another word for expression, of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge, by the same Spirit, to another faith, by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing, by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another divers kinds of tongues, or different kinds of tongues, that divers is just, um, that's just an old English word that's used in the King James that just means different kinds of tongues or, or various kinds of tongues. Uh, we're already seeing there are different kinds of tongues. There are tongues for your private personal life and there are tongues that are ministry gifts, used as ministry gifts in the body of Christ for God to speak to us. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But all of these worketh that one and the self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he, the Holy Spirit, will. Now, I've put these in, a, I've made a list of these just to visually make these nine gifts easier uh, to look at there in verse 7 to 11. The word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, uh, the gift of faith. Uh, this is not saving faith. This is not, uh, uh, this is not saving faith. This is special faith, okay? And we'll talk about that later. This is the gift of faith. Working of miracles, gifts of healing, gift of prophecy, gift of different kinds of tongues, and gift of the interpretation of tongues. Now, uh, when I came to this, I mean, you know, we, we read this probably lots of times, but I it occurred to me, why nine? Why nine gifts of the Spirit? Last time we talked about the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22, um, there are nine fruit of the Spirit. And so I thought, why not five? Why not twelve? You know, why nine? So I began to look into this uh, and do some research and some reference. Um, Numbers in the Bible are very significant. And God uh, is very precise. He does nothing by chance. Uh, and it, so when, when God needed a number, you know, he didn't just have a box full of numbers and just reach over and pick out one and say, oh, that will do, you know. No, God is very precise, and numbers in the Bible have meaning. They symbolize something. God is very, very precise. If this, um, if, if the earth moved off of its rotation even one degree, we wouldn't even be sitting here right, right now. You know, we would be leaning over like that, you know. Um, of all the billions of people in the world, no two fingerprints are the same. No two snowflakes are the same. God is a God of precision. So there's nothing by chance. So, nine in the Bible represents several things actually, but one of the things it represents is the fruit of the Spirit. And it also refers to a couple of other things, but for today's purposes, let's just stay with the fruit of the Spirit. Now, uh, what number comes before nine? Eight. Okay. Eight is a symbol of the new birth. 
or new beginnings. Okay? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. All things are become new. So 8 refers to the new birth. It contrasts the new uh, to the old. Jesus said, make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. So, nine uh, symbolizes fruit of the Spirit. Now, good fruit is the result of a good tree. So when we are born again, man, the tree, is made good and righteous. Okay? God made us righteous. We didn't make ourselves righteous. God made us righteous. So a good tree produces good fruit and like uh, nine follows eight, the fruit of the Spirit follows the new birth. So we talked about the nine fruit of the Holy Spirit last time. Fruit for holy living. They are a product of the recreated human spirit and the result of the Holy Spirit's indwelling presence. Now, the number 50 is also connected with the Holy Spirit. And uh, Luke 24, 49, last time we talked about this verse. Jesus said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So he's talking about the subsequent experience of being filled with the Holy Spirit when power comes upon you. So they weren't just waiting for the Holy Spirit. They were waiting for a specific day, which was the day of Pentecost. That's the specific day when the Holy Spirit would come. Now, the day of Pentecost was exactly 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. So 50 is uh, connected to the Holy Spirit. It represents the Holy Spirit. That's not just chance. That's not just random. That's specifically that way. It was specifically 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus, the Holy Spirit came into the earth. Now, these nine different gifts of the Holy Spirit, they make up the full manifestation or visible evidence of his activity. And through these nine spiritual gifts, the Holy Spirit is able to express himself in a visible way. Now, we can take these nine gifts and we can put them into three broad categories. There are three vocal gifts, gifts that say something, prophecy, different kinds of tongues, the interpretation of tongues. There are three revelation gifts, gifts that reveal something. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. Three power gifts, gifts that do something. Gift of special faith, working of miracles, and gifts of healing. And like I said earlier, all of these gifts were in operation in the Old Testament except for different kinds of tongues and interpretation of tongues. These are not found in the Old Testament. These are distinct to the New Testament church age, which is what we're talking about right now. Now, 1 Corinthians 12, let's look at verse 27. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Okay, that's right. 
And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Now these are ministry offices, okay? Ministry gifts God has set in the church. Uh, helps ministry. I think it's interesting that helps ministry is listed with uh, miracles, healings, diversity of tongues. Uh, helps ministry uh, are people who assist the fivefold ministry. Uh, they assist uh, anything that has to do with a, with a service taking place. Anyone involved in helping that service to happen is in the helps ministry. It could be uh, greeting people at the door. It could be ushering, uh, ushering. It could be setting up the chairs for the service in the way that they want them laid out for that service. It could be serving tea and coffee. It could be uh, helping at the book table. It could be audio, video, recording of the service, anything that has to do with the setup and, and the, uh, uh, that service taking place, the people behind the scenes and visible that, asset, that assist the pastor or the teacher or the evangelist, whatever ministry office it is, those people are in the helps ministry. And it's a very, very vital ministry and that's I have served in that ministry Mika served in that ministry and that's where most of the time you start out you know and then God promotes you on and, and you have to be faithful in these uh, kind of behind the scenes areas they don't it doesn't look like a, a kind of a glamorous uh, position you know but it's very very important and I'm so glad that he listed helps ministry right along with prophets and teachers and apostles. Uh, governments. Uh, governments include pastors. Pastors come under the ministry of governments. They uh, govern or they lead a local church. So this is talking about ministry offices. Now, if you hold your place there and turn to Ephesians 4, we see another reference to these ministry gifts. Ephesians 4, 8. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting or equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or the building up or the benefit of the body of Christ. So this is these offices we refer to as the fivefold ministry offices, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. These are offices God has set in the church to equip and, and uh, benefit the body of Christ uh, with certain of these spiritual gifts. Now, uh, a minister could operate in more than one office. Uh, it's, it's not always the case. Sometimes people are used primarily in one way. But you could be an apostle and a pastor. You could be uh, an evangelist and a teacher. You know, some people function in more than one office like uh you know brother hagen was teacher prophet brother copeland teacher prophet so um it, it it just you know it just depends on how god has gifted people these are offices of ministry and these are people god's called and especially equipped with certain of these spiritual gifts in order to fulfill uh, their function in the body of Christ. Now it's true that lay people can also uh, 
be used in these areas. Because uh, verse 7 over in 1 Corinthians uh, 12 says, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. So these are not just exclusive for people in ministry. Lay people, God can use lay people in these areas, but there are, are ministers whose the primary thrust of their ministry is specifically one or more of these gifts. There are ministers whose primary function is the gifts of healing, uh, like Oral Roberts, Benny Hinn. Those are just well-known people. There are many, 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 uh, you know, many people uh, God uses in the um, gifts of healing. Those are just two well-known ones that, that you would probably know about. There, uh, there's the office of evangelist. Uh, in the office of evangelist, they usually have the working of miracles and the gifts of healing operating in the office of evangelist. God will use them with those two gifts, uh, especially among the lost, unbelievers. It, it, uh, it's, a, it's like a sign to unbelievers that God is real and God is alive. So, um, the office of prophet can also include the gift of tongues and interpretation. So, uh, someone who has the ministry office of prophet, often God will use them uh, with these two gifts as well. But like I said, lay people can be used. Um, you know, you may be in a service somewhere and, and someone will have a, a message in tongues and somebody ten rows back might have the interpretation, you know. So, um, so I, I just wanted to make that clear that this is not just for ministers, but there are ministers that are called and their primary thrust in the body of Christ, this is the way God uses them in one or more of these spiritual gifts. So the latter portion of this chapter 12 is where people mix up personal devotional tongues with these public ministry of tongues and interpretation. And that's why they, they pick out that verse and say where it says, do all speak in tongues? No, everybody doesn't speak in tongues, but let's look at it in context. Um, let's look at verse 29 and 30. Talking about these ministry gifts, uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, the fivefold ministry, are all apostles. What's the answer to that? No. No, everybody... Even every minister is not an apostle. Everyone's not called the apostle of, um, office of apostle. Are all prophets? No. Everyone's not called to the office of prophet. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Do all have the gift of healing? No. In that context, do all speak with tongues? Do all minister in the gift of tongues and interpretation? No. This is not talking about personal devotional tongues. That question is in the context of the fivefold ministry. Every, minister, every um, minister does not operate in the gift of tongues and interpretation. Now, um, this is where people lift out this verse. They take it out of context, and they apply it to every believer. The context here is not every believer. It's ministry gifts. Okay? So, all are not called to function in the public ministry of tongues and interpretation. That's why he asked the question, are all, do all speak in tongues? No. Everyone's not called to that ministry gift. 
He's not talking about believers being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues in their private life. Now, we've got a few minutes. Uh, I want to... show you a clip a short little clip. This is from Brother Hagen's Bible School. This is, was not just what you would call a church service, but it's a public assembly of believers. It's, a, um, it's from Brother Hagen's Bible School, and you can tell by the way they're dressed. It looks kind of like the 70s, you know. <laughs> These big plaid uh, sport coats and things. But um, we're going to see a classic example here of the public ministry of tongues and interpretation of tongues. Now, uh, this couple, uh, his name was J.R. I'm not sure what her name was, but they are known as Mom and Pop Goodwin. That, that's just what they're known as. But his name was J.R. Uh, they pastored a church somewhere around Houston, Texas, and I think probably went into the ministry about the same time Brother Hagen did, and that's how they knew each other. Uh, but this Pop Goodwin was not always in the ministry. He had a secular job before he went into the ministry. But this is uh, a good example of the public ministry gift of tongues and interpretation. So. mentality God will teach us tonight by his spirit. I'm hungry to be taught. Praise God. Praise God. Whoa. Now this is supernatural, okay? This is not a skit that somebody made up. Alright? This is supernatural. Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Now still don't lay stop in the youth troughs they make talk. I don't want you to take the bumble each day and go to stay is a great, great heavy lost song of Pokia. I even did a load on your bone collect face to fin the abode and stumble each day. I want you to take a lotus or a sunduck, rejoice if you hung up with a hop of last Sunday diata and with a spondule feasty for Mother Sunday Katie, here from April and Tito. Now, this is the now, students of the training center, I do not want you just to take the word of God as if it were bound between covers and had no light and go along with it folded to you and declaring that I am so hungry for more of the word of God I just carried in my arms. Neither do I want you to walk around as if you had a great load on your shoulders and it being my word all bound up and bundled up together and saying that my burden is so heavy and I am so concerned about the lost world until I can hardly make it from day to day. But I want you to take my word and assimilate it into your spirit. As you read my word, believe and declare it. For I do not want you to be a dead issue, but I want you to be alive. And I want you to be quick as you declare my word to act upon what is promised unto you, and you shall come out on the side of victory. Amen. 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 Amen.
Well, I don't want you while you just go along skipping in the early morning because of the way you feel and the feel that you're highly spiritual and you go up and you shake hands with a brother and you say, the Lord bless you greatly today. And then you go away and say, that brother's handshake wasn't exactly right. I wonder what you did. <laughs> and as you go further, you lose all that you started out with, even though it was only in your spirit of the flesh. It was still good to you until you lost that victory that was yours. Now you see, my children, I walk around, as it were, and my eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth, and I behold the works of the sons of men, and I know what you're thinking in your heart as you go along, even though you're seeking to put forth something from your mind that you might appear as a victorious Christian, but when these things weight you down and you become critical about things and you are dead issue as far as your lively spirit is concerned, but if you will just stop and think for a moment who you are and then take my word and begin to rejoice before me and to say praises under my name and even to dance around a little, it will do you good and it will liven your spirit and you will declare my word and you shall arise with a victory that no spirit can know. So those ministers or pastors, and they also operate in the ministry gifts of tongues and interpretation, and that's primarily the way God uses them in the body of Christ. Now, um, you've probably heard me talk about Brother Gordon and Barbara White. Barbara spoke here last uh, year, last spring, and they operated in the ministry of tongues and interpretation, but it was the other way around. Brother Gordon gave the message in tongues and the Holy Spirit gave Barbara the interpretation. Now that's not a word for word translation. It's just an interpretation. You know, if if you're speaking Armenian and Mika's speaking Dutch uh, and somebody translates it, they just give the, the summary of what you said. It's not necessarily a word-for-word -word translation, which is what this is. But uh, primarily, this is uh, for a public assembly and primarily believers, or most churches, most uh, meetings, believers' meetings are made up of Christians. So this is God speaking to us. Now, it... it uh, it's not, not necessarily a church meeting. 
we've been with Brother Gordon and Barbara standing out in the parking lot getting ready to go home. And, and Brother Gordon would say, the Lord has, wants to say something to you. And he would give a, a message and Barbara would give the interpretation. So it, it was, you could say it was in public, but it wasn't necessarily in a church service. But you can see, if, there, if that message was given in tongues and there's no interpretation, nobody would be edified because nobody would know what was said. So, so these tongues should be interpreted, okay? Uh, and that's what Paul wrote about. And, and if, uh, if there's no one to interpret it, uh, then it's just counted as a prayer, you know. Uh, but it should be it should be interpreted so that the uh, the body is edified. Otherwise, we're not going to know what was said. So every believer is not called to the office of tongues and interpretation, but every believer can, uh, and I think personally should be filled with the Holy Spirit. Does that is that clear now? Okay.